Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Again, my name is Chrislyn Durham. I am one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you have joined us today in worship. I do want to remind you, as Ben already has, um, if you would fill out the um, registration card and you can place it in the offering plate later, or you can go and register your attendance online. This morning, we're going to start by reading Scripture. We're going to be reading from the book of Acts, which Juliana has kind of already started us on, but we're going to read it again. Um, And we're going to read Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. Hear the word of the Lord. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice, but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you for these words this morning. We pray that in these next few minutes that you would help us to be fully present and willing and able to hear a word from you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. Last May, my dad went to the hospital for a procedure. The procedure went fine, however, he had some complications that ended up causing him to have a stroke. Immediately, my sister Kelsey and I went to the hospital. The first 24 hours or so, we were just trying to figure out what to do and and how to help. If I was really honest, I could tell you that I was terrified that I was about to lose my dad. After several days, or maybe even a week or two, I really don't know, 
um, he was able to go home. With that being said, he had a lot of work ahead of him. He had physical therapy and occupational therapy multiple times a week, and his blood pressure was a bit of a struggle at first to figure out. But they did. They figured it out. Between the tenacity and stubbornness of my mom, watching out for my dad, and my dad's desire to keep trying, even if it took him months to accomplish it, he got his strength back. He's able to carry on a conversation freely now, most of the time without having trouble recalling a word, something that was a great struggle for him at first. And he's back to working full time. He still has his moments of struggle, but all in all, my dad was really lucky. Last weekend, um, you may have noticed I wasn't here. Um, we had gone to a cabin that my parents had rented in Gatlinburg. It was the first time that our entire family, including all of the grandchildren, had been together under one roof for more than five hours. We had a great time. We laughed, we talked, we ate, we shopped, we played. For the most part, my dad was the same, though he did get tired more easily. With that being said, I noticed a couple things on this trip. My dad has never really cared about taking photos. In fact, he really didn't like them. But last weekend, my dad had his phone out most of the time, taking photos and videos of all of us, even taking like 40 pictures of me and Nick and Jack and Hazel as we were going around a track in a go-kart, literally the same picture over and over again but he took those. My brother said as they left, because they left right before we did, he said, be ready for wedding photos on the deck because they were just taking so many photos. I also noticed that when the kids went back to rest in the middle of the day, that he was very adamant that he was going shopping with mom and Kelsey and I. Something you have to understand about my dad is that he hates to shop. He would find ways over the years of getting out of shopping as much as he possibly could, and he usually did. But he went, and he wanted to go. As Dad and I were sitting on a bench waiting for Mom and Kelsey to come out of the last store of the day at the Tanger outlet, trying to figure out where we were going to eat, I asked him if he had been to all the places that he wanted to go here. Because, you know, when you go to the Tanger Outlet, you have specific stores that you want to go to. Otherwise, you're going to be there all day. And he said, oh, I, I didn't come because I wanted to go shopping. <laughs> I just wanted to be with you guys. Now, my dad has always loved his family. He's an amazing dad. But like I said, he's never been one to go shopping. But then he said it. The stroke changed me. My dad celebrated his 60th birthday on Friday. And again, his words were simple. You guys being together with us is the greatest gift you can give me. While I know that he was changed by the stroke, I don't think that I really stopped to realize and think about until the number of photos and videos was taken he was really just trying to take it all in. 
The experience of the stroke did change my dad. It reframed his entire life and likely the trajectory of his life. According to studies done by Dr. Jeffrey A. Kotler, a majority of cases that people remember from their lives as major transformations occurred after recovering from a challenging or even traumatic experience. The death of a loved one, a major failure or disappointment, a crisis or catastrophe, a relationship or job ending, a threatening illness or something similar. Experiences, especially the ones mentioned above, are the ones that make you pause and really think about your life and all that it is, begging you to answer the question usually without us even realizing it. How will this change me? It is also quite possible that in the midst of these challenges that you may find a stillness that you have never experienced, nor did you want to experience. But it's possible that it is in that stillness that we experience God the most. Now, I want to be clear about something. I do not believe that God causes bad things to happen. But I do believe that God is in the brightest of places and in the darkest of places and every space in between along with us. I think that might have been a bit of what happened in our story today. Saul, who would later become Paul, as we have learned, is truly a fascinating character. He is one that I have a lot of respect for, but also one that causes me a whole lot of headaches. Saul was first introduced to us as the man who watched and approved the stoning of the first martyr, Stephen. According to Christian tradition, Saul was an educated man in Jewish law. He learned under Gamaliel, a Pharisee doctor of Jewish law, who was held in high esteem by all Jews. And it's likely that Saul was also held in high esteem in the religious realm as well. As I think about Saul, the words of an Episcopal priest and theologian, Barbara Brown Taylor, ring in my ears. Jesus was not brought down by atheism and anarchy. He was brought down by law and order, allied with religion, which is always a deadly mix. It is true. We see it here. Paul literally asks permission from the high priest to go to Damascus, bringing back all with him who might belong to the way. Another name for those who are part of this new movement that was started by Jesus and carried out by the disciples. But on the way to Damascus, Paul had an unusual experience, one that would reframe his priorities and his life. Paul saw the light in a way that he had never seen it before. It literally brought him to his knees. And it's in this moment that Paul experiences the risen Christ for the very first time. And it's in this moment that Jesus gives him instruction. Go into the city and you will be told what you are to do. Those instructions remind me a little of the instructions that Abraham was given when God tells him to go to a new land, that I will show you. 
in a way, both are saying, you're going to have to trust me. Can you do that? Saul gets up and goes, but not in the way he came. It was in that moment that he realizes that he cannot physically see. Someone took his hand and guided him into the city. Scripture tells us that he did not eat or drink for three days. Some think maybe he was fasting. Others wonder if he was frustrated and just stubborn, which wouldn't surprise me when you read the letters of Paul. And to be quite honest... I think I would have been right there with him. But this experience is one that he would remember, tell others about, even write about a couple more times throughout his writings. It's an experience that helped him to recognize his own folly, persecuting, and it is one that will move him towards restoration, not just for himself, but for the world. With that being said, Saul is not the only one in this experience. Yes, it's happening to him, but there are also bystanders, as there always are. Those who were with him, who stood and heard the conversation between he and Jesus, but physically saw nothing. What does this mean? What do we do with this? How do we respond to this? And then there was Ananias. We didn't read about Ananias. A man who a few verses later would be directed by God to go and meet Saul of Tarsus and restore his sight. Ananias knew who God was asking him to go to. There was fear, of course. I can only imagine his thoughts. This is insane. This man kills people like me. Why would I go and seek him out? But he goes. In all these moments throughout these experiences and throughout this experience that Saul had, each required a level of trust of not only God, but of one another. Trust that maybe there was something more Trust that we can be changed. Trust that God will walk with us through our own moments of distrust and through moments of transition. It is through Saul who would become Paul that the world would experience Christ. Saul would continue this movement that the disciples started. Paul would become a source of hope to people who wanted to know and understand this Christ. Paul would write letters to connect churches and help them grow. Paul would recognize his own folly again and again. Paul would continue to be stubborn. (laughs) But in his stubbornness, he was no longer breathing words of threats or destruction. But restoration, life, and an invitation to know this Christ who changed him. One could be asking the question, what does this have to do with me? I would ask you, where in our lives are we breathing words of harm, destruction, or pain? Each of us have our own road to Damascus that we are on. How would God change us? 
We must ask ourselves, are we breathing threats and destruction? And where is God calling us to breathe restoration, life, hope, and invitation? As we learn from Saul, we can, in fact, be changed. May it be so in your life. May it be so in mine. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this word this morning. We pray that as we continue in worship together, that you would speak to us, that you would show us the places where we need to go, the places where we have caused harm. And may we offer words of repentance, words of life, and words of hope. We thank you, O oh God. Amen.